Welcome, everybody, to Untwisted, the wonderful podcast where two Americans and two Australians watch episodes of Round the Twist and talk about them. I'm Jeff. I'd like to introduce you to my fellow American, Josh. Hello. I'm Josh. Yes, you are, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple of my Australian friends, Maz. Hello. And Jeremy. Hi. I'm Jeremy. Yes, you are, Jeremy. What a wonderful <laughs> intro to this episode. So this is episode four of the Untwisted podcast, and we're watching episode four of Round the Twist, which is the Cabbage Patch Fib. A couple of episodes ago, we had a discussion about a green phone. Now we're going to have a lot of discussion about a green baby, and I'm excited. But what is a green baby? Can you just explain it to me? (laughs) (laughs) Will kids today know what a green baby is? No, they've never seen one. But we have. We sure have, Mez. Should we do this brief catch up on personal shit? There's a little someone new in Jeff's life. That's true. I got married. (laughs) No, that's not true. I recently adopted a cat. It's an adorable little guy named Meatball, and he hates me. <laughs> Loves my daughter, hates me. Aww. But you know what? I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with the pet that hates me. I'm okay with it too. <laughs> <laughs> I feed it. I leave it alone. Whatever. It's a beautiful relationship. Okay. Well, the Cabbage Patch Fib, I would like to just let everyone know. When did it air? <laughs> we need to know, as we've said every week, the UK date and then the real Australia date, not the fake date where England is lying to us. The fake date was the 25th of April, 89. And the other date that we have is the 26th of August, 1990. Yeah, that sounds about right. So is this based on a story? It's based on its own separate story, which was published in 88, apparently. So that wasn't long before Round the Twist came out. Hmm. Also, weren't there like multiple Cabbage Patch books? There was the Cabbage Patch Fib, the Cabbage Patch War, the Cabbage Patch Pong and the Cabbage Patch Curse. Whoa. The Cabbage Patch War? Did it become like a Tolkien-esque fantasy epic? <laughs> I guess. Hold on. So we went from fib to war to pong? Is that what you said? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? War's over. Let's just play pong for a little while, guys. <laughs> I'm assuming they mean pong as in... It's stanky. After the war, all the dead bodies, all the rotting carcasses <laughs> were just so smelly. Oh, dear. Were what? They were just smelling. They were pong. It was a pong. Yeah, we don't. I don't know what that means. That that must be an Australian thing. Whoa. Our first one. You don't have that word? Nope. Oh, Americans don't get pong. Pong is like a bad smell. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of like the Cabbage Patch stench. Yes, the Cabbage Patch stank. (laughs) Can I just go through something that I meant to do last week but forgot, which is introduce the new characters, their actors, and their ages, our new recurring characters. Their ages at the time. Yeah. Please do. So we had Miss James, who's back in this episode. Bay. Bait. So... (laughs) She's played by Robin Grimes. She was born in January 1957. So she was 32 in 89, which is how old I am right now, I think. Whoa, you think? Yeah. And we also had Mr. Snapper. Mr. Snapper. Which is old Esben Storm. He was born May 1950. So he was 39 in 89. Also directed all the episodes. Of season one. He passed away in March 2011. Did he write or help write the scripts as well? Uh, yeah, he was a script editor. So he is a real big driving force in the 
direction of the show. Yeah, he helped Paul Jennings write the stories or turn the stories into real TV. What a legend. Uh, and then Fiona, she's played by Daisy Cameron. She was born in March 1975, so she was 15 in 89. Like the rest of them. And apparently she was on Neighbours for a short spell. Oh, uh, around the same time. And that's the girl in class that Pete likes? Yes. Okay. That's Pete's love interest. Although she doesn't seem very interested. Yeah, it's weird. Because it's like, she does and she doesn't. Girls. <laughs> All right, give us maybe the brief synopsis of this episode. Okay, here we go. When Bronson asks where babies come from, Pete says they come from the cabbage patch. That night, to everyone's surprise, Bronson really does find a baby in the cabbage patch. But he soon discovers that being a father is hard work. Perfect. That's about right. Yeah, that's actually a good uh, synopsis. Yeah, not like last week's. <laughs> <laughs> so we start our episode. We've got the theme song that we love. Josh loves how it starts. I mentioned on the second episode, which is the first time we hear the crazy noises, that it was going to bother me every time. And for the third episode, I was like, yep, still bothers me. This time, actually, I feel like I'm a little used to it. Didn't stand out to me as much. Uh, it's It's fine. It's not grating on me as much as I thought it would continue to this guy i overheard my daughter singing the song to herself Aww. and then she saw me noticing it and then she says yeah so that song's in my head all the time thanks for that dad <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome yeah you're welcome so we get the title card and this is maybe the creepiest title card we've gotten so far this music is it's creepy as fuck we're heading through a cabbage patch and then we see a green leg of a baby. Yeah, and it quickly turns to like the baby music. Oh yeah, that baby music. That music haunted me as a child. <laughs> I love the baby music. One of the better musical cues, I would say, so far in the show. I hated the baby music. It bothered me so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's no but what could be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joel watched it with me the other day and he was like, oh, it's just the same thing through the whole episode. And I was like, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's part of what bothers me for sure. It was very clearly a fake baby leg. It was like a real baby in most of the episodes. Well, thanks for ruining the magic for us, Jeff. <laughs> Shit, sorry. Well, we definitely get the fake baby in the credits scene that we see of them passing the baby oh, yes. to each other. The blue baby doll where it's like they're not even trying to hide it in that shot that it's just a doll. <laughs> Yeah, that's why it got cut out. Yeah, I had this noted. It looks a little horrific because throughout the episode, they use, you know, the cheesy tent effect where they just kind of change the color of the baby. But then in that post credit sequence, they just have a limp blue baby <laughs> that they're passing around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely gives you a better feel of a dead baby being passed around. <laughs> I gotta say that green baby freaked me out as a kid. Aww. Oh, yeah, the baby's creepy as fuck, but we'll get to that. <laughs> So we start off the episode with uh, Bronson's hanging out with Nell, which I think is probably the best combo of characters. Heartwarming. Yeah, you got to love some Bron and Nell. Yeah, Bron's skipping rocks. Nell is fishing. Yeah, he's doing a real good job of skipping those rocks, though. <laughs> Just slams them into the water. So angry. <laughs> so Bronson's with Nell, and this begins, like, the theme of the episode, which is Bronson asking, he's like, do fish have parents? Is his first question. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah, you idiot. <laughs> and he's like, oh, where do they come from? And she's like, from eggs. And he's like, did I come from an egg? And where did I come from? And she's like, you better ask your dad about that because nobody wants to discuss it with him. I do want to point out that I gave this episode an honest chance of watching without subtitles because based on last week's discussion, a lot of those subtitles were inaccurate. But I'm sorry, it can't be done. 
his line, did I come from an egg, to me just sounded like, Did I come from an egg? Some of Bronson's delivery of lines in this episode is really loose. Oh, Bronson. They probably made him do it like so many times and he was like, I'm sick of this. Jiminy (laughs) Chilliker. He's a young kid acting on a television show. He does a fantastic job otherwise. Yeah, even if he's like, his expression and the way he says it, it's all really good. I'm not criticizing him as an actor. I think he he has so many golden moments. I really love the kid, but definitely... He's, he gets a little lazy with the enunciation at times. That's just how Australian kids talk. If there's anyone in this episode who's acting, I would criticize. It's, uh, it's Tony, believe it or oh. not. I feel like he uh, phones it in in a couple of these scenes. Whoa. Because I like Tony. I feel like he's been great so far, but this episode he felt a little off. Maybe this episode was one where like they thought they'd finished doing all the recordings and stuff, and then they were like, oh, hang on, let's record this episode. And they were all like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> All right, so the next scene we see is uh, Linda is giving Bron a piggyback. Yeah. Adorable. But Bron uh, puts forth a remarkable theory about how conception happens. Kid at school says, if your dad sneezes into his beer, a baby will arrive. <laughs> is that true? And Linda's like, oh, my God. Look, Bronson, sure. <laughs> sure, mate. I love the idea of that. <laughs> sneezing into a beer. I mean, beer is usually involved. There's something kind of like sneezing that happens. It, it makes sense. <laughs> At the end of their piggyback ride, Linda starts chasing Bronson. Yeah, I think he like tapped her on the head or something. Yeah, he taps her on the head. I'm not sure if it like, is he trying to play tag with her or something? Or is she just mad that he like ruffled her hair? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> yeah, she's going to get him. She's playfully mad that she got smacked. It was cute. She's like, what a little cunt. <laughs> then we learn a little bit about Pete's love interest. Yeah, we learn that she's a wet blanket. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, mate. <laughs> she doesn't want to do anything. Nah, she can do whatever she wants. I can relate to her. I'm a runner. She's a runner. She doesn't want people hanging out with her. I don't want people hanging out with me. <laughs> when you're running or just in general? In general. <laughs> Who doesn't like to listen to records, though? In Pete's bedroom. Pete's got a nice bedroom. Come on. Yeah, he lives in a fucking lighthouse, man. Yeah. I like his progression of course questions though where he's like you know do you want me to go running with you nah do you want to come to my room and listen to records nah you want to marry me (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) pretty good oh pete he tries his best he does and also i noticed fiona and linda have their jumpers over their shoulders like gribble did that time that's what all the cool kids are doing and then bronson and pete just have theirs around their waist and i was like like normal people like normal kids yeah (laughs) (laughs) pete has a great moment when bron asks where babies come from. Pete's like, well, my boy, (laughs) you've got a man and a woman and they kiss in the hospital. No. In the cabbage patch. And then Linda and Fiona give each other a look. They're like, oh, this guy. So Bronson obviously knows that hospitals are somehow involved with babies. Yeah. I was like, how do you, how do you exist, Bronson? (laughs) You have such inconsistent knowledge of babies. Then Linda and Fiona are like, we're going to go look at horses. Yeah. And Pete's like, can I come? Oh, please. (laughs) And they're like, no. And then he goes to start going anyway which how do they know i feel like when he says okay he could be just going like okay that's fine okay i'll stay yeah (laughs) like how do they know he's following him because they turn around to say no yeah but they know that he's the kind of guy yeah they just know him it's true 
I really like Bronson just being like, don't worry, Pete, I'll play with you. And Pete's like, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, that was so cute. Yeah, he's a cute cunt. <laughs> he could have been sarcastic to Bron, but he took the high road and just says, thanks, mate. I appreciate that. Yeah, that is sweet. It is a little sarcastic, but in a loving way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then what is Tony doing in this next scene? Art. He's building a sculpture. He and Bronson are wearing the welding mask. Yeah, that's a cute shot. Do we get to see like what he's making though? Or do we just assume it's one of those weird monstrosities that we see on his wall in the last episode? The sequel to the Tree of Life. It's the Tree of Life too. Yeah. <laughs> Tony seems to have a wardrobe full of the same jumper, just in slightly different colors. <laughs> yeah, he's consistent. Because this one's dark green. Last time he had a dark blue. They look comfortable, so why not? Yeah, he dresses for comfort because he's a good cunt. So Josh, how was Mr. Twist's acting in this scene? Well, this scene, it was fine. Although I will say it's, I feel like it's more of a direction thing here because the way they're playing this scene off, it feels like the implication is that Tony's not supposed to be like paying super close attention to what Bronson is saying. Yeah. So he's just kind of reacting, just kind of like, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. 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 But the way it's filmed makes it seem like he is very clearly hearing what Bronson is saying and is just like deliberately choosing to answer affirmatively for no good reason. There does seem to be a little bit of a thing throughout the episode of him, like just sort of avoiding talking to Bronson about where babies come from. Yeah. Yeah. At this point in the episode, I couldn't tell if he was uncomfortable talking about the subject with Bronson or if he's just a shit dad and wasn't paying attention. (laughs) Why not? Oh, it definitely kind of came off as, oh, I'm working on my art, uh, not really paying attention. I'm going to say yes to whatever you say, including his very final. Which is just like aggressively not giving a shit. Maybe he's just trying to figure out what to do next with the sculpture. He's deep in thought about it. It seemed like the joke of the scene was just that he's not paying close enough attention. He's just like, "Uh uh-huh. But it's not very clear. Next scene is dinner. Ah, yes, dinner. A family's got the telly on, but I couldn't tell what show that was. I was really hoping you knew. Jeremy, do you know what show it was? No, it just looked like general purpose TV footage. Seemed like it was Australian TV. So I was like, probably Home and Away or Neighbours for that time of night. It wasn't six o'clock Simpsons, I'll tell you that much. So Jeff, what did you think of how the uh, food looks in this scene? Uh, I actually have it noted that I am not impressed by this food. I think it's stir fry a la dad again, but it didn't. Just look like spaghetti to me. Yeah, it's spaghetti. Really? The sauce looked too brown to me, or unless it was just covered in pizza. It's not, I don't know. Maybe it's a meat sauce. Perhaps. We got Linda saying revolting and Bronson saying bow. Bow. Then we see Pete with the spaghetti, just one strand hanging between his nostrils. Like a bull ring. And Tony's like, take that disgusting Disgusting thing out out of your nose. Which is a self-burn. Is he saying his food is the disgusting thing? Yeah, because he cooked it. Yeah, (laughs) silly boy. And then he grabs it with his mouth and he eats it. (laughs) But also foreshadowing for the next episode. Yeah, spaghetti pig out. Oi. What? (laughs) What? I mean, it's not to do with eating it out of your nose, but it's eating spaghetti. Is there going to be a pig? Wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) No, there's going to be a dog, though. (laughs) I would like to comment on Linda's hair again. So she's got neon pink scrunchies this time. And two of them, it's one ponytail, but two scrunchies, because why not? Because it's 1989. Yeah, yeah. So he turns off the TV and is like, let's have a real discussion instead of watching TV at dinner. Reasonable discourse. It's a little funny that the dad turned off the TV seemingly to punish the kids when they were goofing off. 
off with food in the nose. But he was the one watching it. He was really spacing out looking at that TV. The kids were, you know, kind of playing with one another. Yeah, he was like, oh no, maybe I should do some fathering. Look what happens when I space out on the TV. Everything goes to shit. He mentions talking about philosophy, the meaning of life, saving the rainforests. How's that going, Tony? <laughs> I feel like I jabbed at their environmentalism last week, too. It's just like early 90s environmentalism. I just feel I just feel bad, man. It's like, oh, man, they were so optimistic. Oh, yeah. And then they suggest a topic of discussion is finding a wife for dad. Linda's like finding a wife for dad. And Pete's like, Miss James is available. And he's like, Miss who? Uh, Tony. There's a great Amazon Prime subtitle snafu here. Probably the best one so far. Linda is very clearly saying... Come on, you know. And Amazon Prime has the subtitle says, The Hot Girl, man. You know. <laughs> the Hot Girl. Wow. And this is like one of those cases where it's like, there's no way it was like a speech to text robot that heard that. Because it doesn't sound like she's saying that at all. Yeah. It like applies to the situation too much to just be a misinterpretation. So I have to assume that it was like a real person watching this scene who was writing out the subtitles genuinely thought that's what she said. It's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Why would she say that? <laughs> Go, man. I wrote down Tony's like, cut the crap. Because he's like, I don't want to fucking talk about this, mate. And Bronson's like, which cabbage patch did I come from? And they're like, oh, we're back on this. And then Braun is like, can you get a baby without kissing? These days you can get a get one without even touching. Do you think he was like referring to like in vitro fertilization or like? Yeah, that's what I assumed. I feel like it would have been a reference to something that was in the news at the time. I feel like the term uh, test tube baby was kind of common in late 80s, early 90s. Australia's first baby conceived by IVF was born in June 1980 in Melbourne. So they would have been the perfect age to be watching around the twist and hearing them make a mockery of how they were created. It was a jab at that one particular baby. <laughs> when dad says this, all the kids immediately, how? Yeah, and then he changes the subject straight away. Who's on washing up? Bronson has an old um, computer paper. Yeah, like a dot matrix printer. Yeah, that he must have printed out from his old computer. Yeah, from that computer in his room. Old, but it's just a computer from the time. Yeah. It looks old to us in the year 2040. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, also the fridge has a stop uranium mining sticker on it. So How's that going, Tony? <laughs> As we all know, uranium mining definitely does not still happen in Australia. <laughs> still, good on you for trying, Tony Twist. You tried your best. So, yeah, Bron, Bronson. Bran. <laughs> so Bran reads the wrong year, 2040. Linda says they won't even be there in 2040 due to the depleted uranium from all the mining that's going on in Australia. <laughs> and Linda's like, Bronson will have kids of his own by then. Now he's like, but where do they come from? Where do they come from? I also like the line where he asks why they won't be there anymore. And they're like, oh, well, we'll have moved out by then. And he's like, who will I muck around with then? Oh, Bronson. Nobody. Cute stuff like that makes me even sadder when the older siblings are mean to Bronson because he loves them so much. Yeah. Bronson is like, well, I'm going down to the cabbage patch to see if there are any babies down there. Tony just left lets him go. It's just like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Tony's acting here at the end of this scene is like one of the weird examples where he t he just seems very low key. He's not very expressive. He's not really reacting to this stuff very hard. It's just kind of like, uh-huh. No, I have this noted. He gives a real flat okay when Bronson says he's going to go check out the Cabbage Patch. And I, I wrote that this is almost as good as his mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but maybe maybe all this baby talk has just brought up all these feelings about his dead wife, and that's why he's just so flat. Do you ever think of that? 
know. All you think about is yourself. I was definitely thinking of myself. <laughs> also, I like when Bronson asks if he thinks there's a baby in the cabbage patch now, and he says, it'd be just my luck if there was. He's had enough of these fucking kids in his fucking lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, three is probably enough. Anymore, you're getting into too many cooks, too many twists territory. Yeah. Next thing we see is Pete leaving the lighthouse with his torch. Yeah, creeping around. And he walks down, there's a gate, he opens it, and Bronson's in there, and he's looking through the cabbages. Scary scarecrow. And he's like, what are you doing? And um, Bronson's like, he's looking for babies. And then Pete's just like, okay, I'll look for one over here then. I'll just humor you and have a look. <laughs> and Bronson's like, found one. Found what? A baby, of course. <laughs> Pete's like, oh, Bronson. Keep looking. They might be twins. Yeah. <laughs> now that is acting. That is acting. I really love this part where Nell comes in and she's just like, what's going on here? I can hear a baby. <laughs> it's like, what? Oh, your hearing is very good now, Nell. <laughs> yeah, Nell. <laughs> like she just rushes over to the cabbage patch the second she hears a baby. Like she's there so fast. Maybe she was out for a stroll. I hadn't thought of it when I watched the episode, but now that you're talking about it, it does kind of imply that Nell is familiar with the whole cabbage patch baby phenomenon. Maybe she was a, a veteran of the cabbage patch war. <laughs> <laughs> she does know more than she lets on. So we get Pete's line. Bronson's delivered a baby. Bronson's like, the cabbage just given birth. And there was no kissing either. <laughs> and then Nell tries to hold the baby. And it starts holding its breath. Yeah, and it starts turning blue. And she's like, oh, it's holding its breath. I'll give it a whack. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Nell, calm down. <laughs> yeah, settle down, mate. Well, they stop her. Yeah. Bronson's like, excuse me. And he takes the baby back. And the baby starts breathing again. Oh, that scary green baby. Hulk baby. <laughs> thought it was scary. Well, as a grown-up, I think it's, like, actually kind of adorable. But as a kid, the green baby, it was just something about it, something about that green face, that green-tinted baby face just really scared me. I think it's the way that they shoot it. They're using some kind of weird, like, slow motion, or they're, like, yeah. they're like changing the pacing of the film somehow, and it makes the shot, like, the close-up shots on the baby's face seem super creepy. I also think the baby has a look on its face that implies that it knows more than... <laughs> He wants to let on. Yeah. And that's what freaked me out. I was like, what does this baby know, man? The baby knows your secrets, Jeremy. Yeah. <laughs> the baby emotes quite a bit. It makes me wonder how long they spent, you know, filming this baby to get these weird shots. Yeah, shoving food into its mouth. This poor baby. Yeah, that's why it's coming for me in my sleep. <laughs> well, fun fact, it was actually two babies. So she gives the baby back to Bronson and the baby starts breathing again, turns green again. And I love Bronson's smile yeah. whenever he's holding the baby oh yeah it is adorable he's just got this crazy goofy smile it's really <laughs> enjoyable he just immediately turns into this massive grin yeah he loves that bab and they play that baby music whenever he's holding it never gets old This music is like endearing at first and then they just continue to use it over and over again. At some points, like over entire scenes and it becomes obnoxious. It's the baby's theme. I don't quite understand how it works. Do they start out as cabbages and then turn into babies? Well, there's clearly some kind of like interdimensional rift happening in these cabbages. Uh, those cabbages, man. I do like when Linda holds the baby. She is amused that the baby is holding its breath. It's holding its breath. It's turning purple. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> she thinks it's cute that it's holding its breath. And I like that Tony, before he sees the baby, he's like, oh yeah, a green baby. <laughs> <laughs> we talked the last couple of weeks about how 
absurd it might be for them to be skeptical of supernatural events. But here they are very ready to accept that a green baby from the Cabbage Patch exists. Yeah. Yeah, they've learned their lesson from the whole dragon debacle. So the baby's holding its breath in Linda's arms and they're like, what do I do? And Tony's like, give it to a man of experience. <laughs> and I was like, hey, only Bronson can hold him. And the baby's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like how Pete says, like, the baby thinks Bronson's his mum. And Bronson's like, so every time someone holds the baby and it starts turning blue and you get like kind of the suspenseful music it just makes me think like the baby's gonna explode the baby's a bomb (laughs) well wait I like when Tony's on the phone yeah, and he's got this real crazy delivery of like, the sister's on strike. Yeah, this is definitely some of the weakest acting in the episode for him. What? You're kidding me. It just seems like he's barely putting effort into this. He's just like, <laughs> what? The doctor's on sick leave? The sisters are on strike? Ambulance has got a flat tire. It feels like Tony as a character is just doing a bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was totally a Bob Newhart, you know, comedian pretends to talk on the phone. I guess I feel like he could have just put some funnier inflections on it or something. I don't know. Send someone. Send anyone. <laughs> but also the idea of this, that like 911 is just like, Triple zero. sorry, our hands are tied. We can't do anything. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, Josh, we don't have 911 in Australia. That's why you guys are always dying. Yeah, we don't have an emergency number. <laughs> so anyone that they send is, of course, Matron Gribble. And also her husband and son come along. For some reason. <laughs> Linda opens the door and she's like, you should be lying down, girl. Linda's like, it's not mine. <laughs> yeah, Gribble, how do you know it's not Nell's baby? One of the funniest things in this episode is the hard cut to Mrs. Gribble coming in the door and like the horror music playing. <laughs> it's like, well, who's coming then? Dun, dun. It's like, oh shit. Send anyone. Look, it's inside. Oh yeah, also I totally forgot that in this episode she's still a nurse. Yeah, I love that. I'd speculated that her job might change from episode to episode to suit the plot, but she is definitely still a nurse. For now. She does mention that she has five diplomas, so conceivably she could be used in other capacities in future episodes. Yeah, I'd like to know what those five diplomas are. I assume one of them's in being like a villain, just general villainy. It's called a business degree. Oh, good one, Josh. Bitchery. (laughs) Diploma of bitchery. So yeah, her assuming Linda is a knocked up teenage slut was very funny. And Linda tells her the baby's green and she says, green? Nonsense. They're all in there and they see the green baby. And Mr. Gribble's like, I see an opportunity here. He's like, James, go see if there's more. (laughs) Well, he's got his eye on money making teams, you know? Yeah, that's Gribble for you. I'll be famous. People will come from everywhere to see a green baby. Like, will they? Yeah, will they? <laughs> it's weird, but would they come out to see? Yeah, it seems like it'd be like a weird newspaper story and then nothing else. It's pretty hectic when Bronson is like, the Gribbles took my baby and then starts crying. He's like, I hope it doesn't die. Yeah. He doesn't even start crying. He, he's he got like those dead eyes. He almost looks like he's going to turn into the Terminator and like hunt them down. <laughs> In like the music that plays is like kind of suspenseful. Yeah, it's pretty hectic that moment. Not as hectic as the episode gets, though. There was a gag where they ask where the baby comes from, and everybody in the family repeats, the cabbage patch. The cabbage patch. Cabbage patch. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Didn't quite get it, but I liked it. Or are they just rubbing in every supernatural thing that happens to the gribbles who are skeptical? It seemed like one person repeated it, and then the next person was like, I'm going to make a bit out of this. <laughs> and everyone went along with it. Oh, good times. But yeah, so then Mrs. Gribble comes back in with the baby, and she actually seems concerned. She's not an 
enough of a monster to let a baby die. Surprise, surprise. That is a surprise. After her treatment of Nell, fucking bitch. Yeah. You can't make money off of a dead green baby. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's true. I like how she hands the baby to Linda and like it gets handed through to everyone until it gets to Bronson. Like it's suffocating and they're like... <laughs> yeah, it's time is of the essence and they're just dilly-dallying. And that's the shot that's in the end credits where they're passing around the limp purple rubber baby. <laughs> Tiny's like all panicked to start with and he's like calling the hospital but now Gribble's like well Bronson will have to come with the baby to the hospital and he's like nah. Yeah he doesn't want the baby to go to the hospital. Well not now that he knows the Gribbles are involved. Probably assumes that they'll take it to like a baby shop sell it. They could all go with it. He's just like nah. Purely out of spite of the Gribbles he's just like Fuck is. I don't give a shit about this baby's well-being. I just don't want to do what you guys are saying. Yeah. <laughs> so now we've got an exterior shot of the lighthouse at night and there's mysterious music. Oh, uh, yes. And Nell's looking up at it. So she's obviously lying. She very visibly reacts to the music. Yeah. She knows. She's she's looking up like she knows what it is. What the hell? Yeah. How long does she expect the ruse to keep going? Uh, another, what, nine episodes? Yeah. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> the music gets interrupted this time by Gribble just bursting through their door. I was like, don't they lock their door? Or does he just have the keys and decide that he wants to come in? No one in TV locks their doors. You know this. Time for a press conference. Gribble just shoves that cigar in Tony's mouth. And he loves it. Oh, yeah. You like it, you little bitch, don't you? <laughs> Yeah, the media is all in their house, all the reporters. And they ask him what the baby eats, and he says, mashed meat. He won't eat veggies. He cries when they have coleslaw, because I, I guess that's cannibalism. That's cannibalism. He drinks green milk. Where the fuck are they getting green milk from? Yeah, what is that green milk? They never explain how they get green milk. Who are the baby's relations? Great question, reporter. And Linda's just like, I'm his auntie. Auntie Linda, Uncle Pete. Granddad, godmother, and I'm the baby's agent. <laughs> Tony's like, mate, settle down. You're not the baby's fucking agent. <laughs> You're not the baby's fucking agent, mate. And he's like, the baby's got a dirty nappy, but like you can see a green stain and it's like, well, is it actually wearing a nappy? How did the wee come out onto its clothes? That's the magic of Cabbage Baby. And Gribble's like, who cares? Let's get another photo. But when the photo comes out, it's just fucking Gribble. And the baby. Yeah, it's just Gribbles and the Bron. And James has his hand on Bronson's shoulder. Yeah, what a jerk. What a piece of shit. <laughs> and now we're out the front of the school and Gribble's claiming to a reporter that he was the one that found the baby. Typical Gribble. So you guys keep criticizing Mr. Gribble. Oh, here we go. You keep saying he's a jerk, you keep saying he's an asshole. Really, I didn't think he was that bad in this episode. Yeah, it's a little presumptuous to just jump in and say I'm the agent, but he's a pretty good agent. I mean, he gets the press. He doesn't exploit the baby to any ridiculous degree. I mean, he does, like, push crowds off of it. He does a really good job as an agent. I would hire him as my agent. <laughs> He's not as evil as in some episodes. But he doesn't give a shit about how comfortable the, the twists are with the situation. He's just doing it for his own self-interest. Well, that's what agents do. <laughs> he should manage this podcast, frankly. <laughs> Frankie J. Holden, if you want to write to us at untwistedpodcast at gmail.com about becoming an agent in character. <laughs> of course as Mr. Gribble. Yeah you fucking monster. <laughs> Please come on the show. <laughs> this scene with Mr. Gribble 
and the press and the twists coming to school could not understand a single word he was saying. It was just too quiet. Yeah, he like walks with Tony from their car into like the crowd at the school and he's just saying a whole bunch of stuff. But the baby music is really loud and you really just can't hear what he's saying. I could hear it on the DVD like it was a bit quiet, but I can make out what he was saying. He was just like, we got to get some groundswell and so on. Yeah, I like how Tony just ignores Gribble the whole time he's talking. Because <laughs> he's just like, fuck you, Gribble. Gribble's like, think of some names. And it's like, they never actually do give it a name. Yeah, later on when Bronson like brings the baby back to the cabbage patch and he's laying it down, he's like, I'm sorry, baby. <laughs> Clearly you were never that attached to this baby. <laughs> so Ms. James comes up to Tony. She's like getting kind of close. Seems like she's kind of like getting in his business a little bit. Like she, she's like happy to see him. Yeah, she's a bit jell that he possibly has had a baby with someone. So Mr. Gribble wants everyone to take a photo, all the school kids. And of course, Gribs and Tiger and Rabbit just stand in front of everybody. Yeah. <laughs> there are a bunch of kids who are like kind of kneeled down in the front, like trying to do like the normal picture thing. And just the three of them are just standing right in the front. Embrace yourself. The best line of the episode is about to come up. Well, why don't you why don't you tell us, Jeff? Yeah, tell us. Well, the, the kids start making fun of Bron and one of them says, I'd like to put his name in for Mrs. Australia. And then Gribble Jr. says, do you have any breast foods? Hi, do you have any breast foods? Yeah, what the fuck? What does that mean? What are breast foods? (laughs) (laughs) He says, hey, do you reckon he breastfeeds? Yeah, do you reckon he breastfeeds? But in the subtitle, it says foods. Do you have any breast foods? Oh, God damn it. You're kidding me. He didn't say breast foods. No. I listened to this a couple times and I couldn't tell what was being said. It sounded enough like, do you have any breast foods? It was so wacky that I did re-listen to it. And yeah, I heard breast foods, but clearly I've been fooled before. He kind of says, foods? I can see where the subtitles might have thought he was saying foods because he has he says it in that weird super Australian way where it's like, you reckon he breast foods? Do you reckon he breast foods? Aren't you able to use the context of the scene to be like, okay, he must have said this word like instead. There are certain cases where that's true. Like the hot girl thing. I could very clearly tell that's not what was being said. And I'm like, they wouldn't say that. Yeah. But in this case, I was trying to figure out what else he might be saying. And I just couldn't tell just because of the accent cooked you're fired <laughs> and then the next thing i have written down is montage montage big old montage it's just a bunch of bronson not having the best of times looking after a baby can we all agree that the baby screaming noises are ridiculous <laughs> It's very clearly not a baby. So I don't know. They must have gotten the Australian Frank Welker to do baby noises. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me of the baby in Gogs. Remember that? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> Yeah, that baby. This is like almost a little deeper. It's like not as whiny. So it sounds like an old man just being <laughs> like, ah. It's so over the top. I wish I could be in the recording studio when they're like coaching him on how to make this noise. Make it crazier. (laughs) Surely they could have just gotten some like, I don't know, stock baby crying noises. I know. They could have just recorded that baby when it made noises and then played that when needed. Oh, yeah, true. But the thing is, a baby's cry is biologically designed to be extremely annoying. So they were like, we don't want it to be annoying. We just want it to be kind of uh, off-putting. So they get a grown man to make weird noises. I like how serious Bronson looks when he's trying to do his schoolwork. (laughs) 
He's really concentrating. Yeah, this baby's really cramping his style. I'm trying to focus on my studies. I like when he's feeding the baby with all the girls with their, like, baby dolls. Oh, yeah, that shot is great. Yeah, very cute. They're all, like, in the park looking after their babies, and he's got a real baby that's green, and they've just got their dolls. There's a girl sitting next to him, and she has these huge glasses, and I'm sure that one of my friends around the same time, like, had the exact same glasses. Oh, I didn't even consider that those are glasses glasses that a kid might actually be wearing. I just assumed they were trying to make them look older. No, that's that's early 90s. I just assumed they were trying to make them look like a bunch of like dainty mothers. <laughs> they didn't know how to make kids glasses back then. And before that, we had two separate scenes, one with Pete, one with Linda, where Bronson's trying to like get them to feed the baby. Oh yeah, and it's having none of it. And they both get sat in the face, but then Bronson feeds it and he's like... And the main thing I noted about this scene was now Pete and Linda can hold the baby without it holding its breath. Yeah. The baby got over it. The baby decided that Pete and Linda were, you're good people. You're fam. It just won't eat the food for them. The dynamic here is very similar to my cat. (laughs) My cat loves Camille. Camille can take care of him. And then he spits in your face. That's right. But this gives me hope that it'll get better. At some point, I can kind of take care of it. Yeah. Uh, So when he's on the bench and the girls have got their baby dolls, a boy runs up behind them and he's like, Bronson, do you want a kick? He's like, I can't. Nah, I can't. And I was like, he's got responsibilities. He sure does. Responsibilities? It's from the Rugrats movie. Like in Rugrats movie. Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. Have me do a podcast about that show if you want me to get it. (laughs) Well, it was the movie, not the show. So. Oh, I did see the movie. That scene did hit hard for me, though. That's so real. You have kids and you're... Yeah, Jeff, how would you say, how accurate do you think this episode is to having kids? 100% accurate. I knew it. All of a sudden, your friends want to hang out. Like, hey, dude, want to go drink? And you're like, oh, no, I got a baby. I can't do that. And the baby holds its breath if you try to get anyone to take care of it. (laughs) In the next part of the montage, it's in class again. And someone is like, who pluffed? Who fluffed? Who fluffed? Okay, that's what I heard. But neither one makes sense to me. Is fluffed a word for fart? Yeah, fluffing is farting. Okay. I'm not familiar with that. American. So when I saw the subtitles, I was like, honestly, as far as I know, it could be either one. Yeah. I had to re-listen to the girl. After he says he fluffed, it moves across and we see a girl and she's holding her nose and she was like, oh, and I was like, what the hell did she say? But I think in the end, I figured out she says Bron Pong. Bron Pong. <laughs> I think that's what she says. Whoa. So Pong actually features in this episode. We've come full circle. <laughs> and Miss James is like, Bronson, I think the baby needs a nappy chase. And he's so angry. He's like, ah. <laughs> yeah, he like grabs that bassinet real violently. Fuck this kid. Fuck school. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm going fishing. I like the shot of all three of them fishing. I think that's kind of sweet. Race here. The best line of the episode is coming up. Better not be the one I'm thinking of, Jeff. Pete is like, baby Baby should should be be green green and not heard. heard. (laughs) Oh, that was great. That was a good one. But really, the best line comes up next. I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) He's so angry at that baby. I was like, what? Abuse. That is a pretty shocking line because it's like, is he about to hit this little baby? (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad that's what you meant, Jeff, and not the baby should be green and not heard. I legitimately liked baby should be green and not heard. Yeah. Yeah. It's so stupid that I love it. Jeff's really changed his tune on Pete in the past few episodes. He's had some very good moments. Now he's your favorite character. He's not my favorite. Don't ever (laughs) say that. Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm team Bron all the way. I mean, 
overcoming his lighthearted child abuse. I mean, obviously we love Braun. Obviously Braun is the best character. Yeah. It's okay for him to abuse a child because he is a child. Yeah, it's just regular violence. All right, so you guys like that pun. The baby should be green and not heard. How about midwife crisis? That's a bad one. <laughs> I thought that was funny because, like, would Bronson even get that? It's just purely for Tony's own amusement. He thought babies came from eggs up until just a little while ago. So, no, he would not have understood midwife crisis. Yeah. We should clarify that this is a new scene where um, Tony and Nell are sitting on the couch and Bronson's on the floor. The baby's in, like, its little cradle thing and Tony's dangling keys over the baby. He's like, don't worry, son, you're just having a midwife crisis. And he's like, being a dad's hard. And Bronson's like, maybe I don't want to be a princess anymore. What? <laughs> it's Princess Jasmine in Aladdin. You're Princess Jasmine in Aladdin. Thank you. We're getting really off track with all these animated films today. <laughs> <laughs> this is the scene where Bronson just kind of spews some verbal diarrhea, and I just couldn't tell what the hell he was saying. In the subtitles, this is like, but Dad, I have to do everything, but... I listened to that line like 10 times. I couldn't tell what the fuck he was saying. I have to take error with me. I even have to get up in the middle of the night and pulling nappies all the time. I have to take the loo with me. Yeah, he does get a bit funny there. I didn't actually write any of it down. I just wrote, runs off a list of things Tony already knows about having kids. <laughs> I have to get up in the middle of the night to change pooey nappies all the time. I have to take it to the loo with me. Jeff's like, yeah, yeah. I got all that because I lived all that. I like how Nell's like, as they're talking about what he had to do to look after the baby. And Nell's like, that's why I never married. <laughs> and Ron's like, I never married either. And I'm like, oh, so you have to get married to have babies. It's like a metaphor for premarital sex. It turns out all of Round the Twist just has these really Puritan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of rough how they just accept that he's the only one that can take care of the baby. Like, the dad is not very helpful. And I know he can't really be helpful because the baby responds to Bron. But it just struck me as very rough that he's like, ah, well, you're stuck with it. This is your problem now. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I felt like it would have made a little more sense if it was set up with Bron really wanting a child. You know, kind of like a be careful what you wish for kind of a thing. But he never really wanted it. He was mildly curious. Yeah, but when he found it, he was like immediately like, oh my God, that's amazing. What did he think he was going to do when he found one? But he's a kid, so he can't think about that properly, which is just another message from the show. Baby shouldn't have babies. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, next scene, uh, Bronson takes the baby out back and shoots it. <laughs> and brace yourselves. The best line of the episode is coming up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Jeff. <laughs> But I'm serious this time. So then it goes to the most upsetting scene of the entire series. Yeah. Ever. Which is Bronson just abandoning his child. Bron's line, sorry, baby, it's just not working out. <laughs> that is the line of the episode for me. And then he says, this is the best thing for both of us, okay? Killing him is the best thing for both of us? It legitimately upsets me, this scene. He's just sitting there, tears coming down his face, just watching as his baby holds its breath. It's really upsetting. This is a scene out of a horror movie. It's horrific, really. Just that they have it drag on for so long with such tension. Yeah, and Pete and Linda come in and they're like, what the fuck? Linda's like, what are you doing? Linda tries to give it mouth to mouth. And it's like not responding. It's like the baby is clearly like dead at this point. I like 
like how mature Pete suddenly is because Bronson's like, I'm putting it back where it came from. And he's like, you can't do that. You can't just return babies. And I was like, oh, he's matured so much since that spaghetti in the nose incident. <laughs> a few minutes ago. So you were saying how you thought maybe the writers were taking a puritanistic stance <laughs> on premarital sex. I feel like this scene is them being like anti-abortion. <laughs> <laughs> just tackling all the hot button issues. Very progressive family, but <laughs> very puritan show that they're on so then like the baby is just purple and linda's like don't die baby and she takes it to bronson and then like he just takes it and smiles at it like everything's back to normal again (laughs) go back to the happy baby music he smiles so quickly yeah and the tone of the scene turns so fast just like oh well goes from murderer to happy caretaker in the span of two seconds (laughs) sorry i tried to kill you baby and the baby's like we're right mate we cool we'll laugh about this later i feel like if i saw this scene as a kid it would have traumatized me I feel like it upset me more like now, to be honest, that scene. Maybe as a kid, you're just kind of like not really processing it. But as an adult, it's really easy for us to be like, oh, my God, (laughs) this is this is bleak. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I was a kid, I was more freaked out by the green baby and the cabbage people. But like as a grown up, I'm watching it. and I'm like, fuck, this is this scene is really dark. As a kid, Jeremy was like, yes, kill it. Kill that freak green baby. I was like, what's what's wrong? What's he doing wrong, mate? Just fucking put it back. (laughs) He can't take care of it. (laughs) So they're sitting there against the fence, having a chat. Having a twist moment. And then suddenly one of the cabbages just starts growing, gets bigger and bigger. And they're like, um. Gets real big. And it goes, feed me, Seymour. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Also, Pete suggests that they take it to a greengrocer. Yeah. (laughs) And Pete also suggests taking the baby to a child psychiatrist, which is kind of a meta moment because I feel like the children watching this would need therapy. Would have to go to a psychiatrist. <laughs> Let's all go. So yeah, this cabbage growing is crazy when it opens up and the like crazy green screen stuff. Oh yeah. Scantily clad cabbage ladies. Those cabbage people really scared me as a kid. This is almost psychedelic, honestly. It is pretty hectic. Like it'd be great if this was like a 15 minute scene. The weird cabbage patch people speaking to them in French <laughs> and just like weird suspenseful music playing over i want to see an episode based entirely in cabbage world Mm -hmm. that's what i wonder is the second book the cabbage patch war does their world go to war with earth i don't remember yeah i don't remember are they so upset about the fact that this baby got taken (laughs) so when they come through green woman with a cabbage leaf on her hair yeah cabbage head also wearing a cabbage um tube top sort of thing i will say that the whole scene of the spaceship cabbage opening up and these weirdos coming out gave me like a heaven's gate flashback (laughs) you know the cult and they used to have these movies that they would put out on public tv do you think that the cabbage people are from a different dimension or do you think they just live underground no well because after they go back inside the cabbage like disappears it shrinks back down and goes to a regular cabbage though doesn't it Maybe they live inside cabbages. I'd like to think it's another dimension. Because, like, when it opens, it looks like behind them, it's almost like a portal. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Maybe every cabbage is just, like, a gateway to their dimension. Yeah. It's a gateway to hell. (laughs) So the lady comes out, and she takes the baby, and Bronson's like, don't blame us, we didn't want your baby. (laughs) The lady's, like, yelling at them in this weird language. Like, I don't know if it's an actual language or... I think it sounded like French. Yeah, it sounds French, but I feel like it's possibly just, like... Gibberish. French-ish. 
gibberish. Also, this lady, I looked her up. She's played by Robin Wyman. And she's only been in the Cabbage Patch Fib and in Blue Healers, three episodes. Who was she in Blue Healers? Three different people. Sharon Duke in 94, Sue Colley in oh. 95, oh, wow. and Sandra Marsh in 96. So... Anybody who loves Blue Healers, you might be able to picture her. So she played a blue woman in that show? Joshua. Get him (laughs) out of here. So anyway, it's not just her who comes through, but also a cameraman and a guy holding a microphone. And it makes me think in our world, the media is involved because they're like, oh, a green baby. That's interesting. I feel like from their perspective, it's like an interdimensional kidnapping scandal. (laughs) And so they're like filming it as look at these kidnappers. I'd like to think that it's the Cabbage World's Lindy Chamberlain case and the Cabbage Mum has been to jail because they (laughs) accused her of killing the baby but oh. found the baby and she's been vindicated that's a bit of a better um outcome than yeah. but that's what i'm wondering if this is what starts the cabbage patch war is they show this footage of these weird alien earthlings yeah it's actually an abduction it's an alien abduction i was also wondering if like the reason they brought all this crew is like they've seen the footage of them on TV somehow, and they're like, oh, my God, that's our baby. Do you think they have interdimensional cable in Cabbage World? Yeah, but they don't watch TV during dinner. During tea time. (laughs) No, my interpretation was that this was an experiment. They were just like, what if we put one of our babies here on the ground where humans can find it? And then they did, but they weren't happy with just the treatment of various humans trying to profit off of the baby. Mm. Yeah, maybe it was a test for the humans. Humanity failed, so they angrily take back the baby. And of course, they're filming it because it is a whole social experiment. They want to document everything. Yeah. They really wanted them to let the baby die. (laughs) They were probably going to share their recipe for immortality with humans. (laughs) Recipe for turning green. (laughs) Did you guys interpret it as Pete, Linda and Bronson understanding what these people are saying? Because they're like, we didn't want the baby. It never occurred to me until I rewatched it like for the second time last night. And I was like, wait. Do they understand what she's saying or are they just assuming that she's like yelling at them? Yeah, it kind of seems like they're responding as if they get it. Yeah. So the lady keeps yelling. <laughs> she's like, me, me. <laughs> and it's not her talking. Like, well, it might be her talking, but it's recorded over. Yeah, it's like overdubbed. And they all leave. They get in the cabbage and Bronson's like, goodbye, son. He's like, goodbye, draggy. <laughs> and that's when the cabbage shrinks and disappears. That's it. And then roll credits, freeze frame. <laughs> <laughs> We've got the next morning. Yeah, so they're replacing all the cabbages with onion plants. Nell's like, what are you doing? I like Tony being like, have a cabbage. She's like, why? (laughs) I know I'm growing them, but I don't like cabbage. Hope we don't get any onion patch, kids. Yeah, it'd be enough to make you cry. Oh, Pete. I really like that joke. Great joke. Nailed it, Pete. Yeah, nailed it, Pete. High five. (laughs) And then we're... Back inside. Tony's like hiding behind a book. Yeah, and he overhears Linda telling Bronson that babies come from the mummy's tummy area. And he's like, oh, don't give me that. That's where all the sausages and potatoes and ice cream go. (laughs) Yeah, I love that line. Also, Linda is wearing a T-shirt that says, no more Hiroshima's. And you know what? There has yet to be another Hiroshima, so... Hey, they did it! (laughs) (laughs) Well done, Linda. One small step for me. Linda's like, Dad, can you deal with this fool? Can you deal with this fool? (laughs) And then Tony, Bronson, 
it's time you and I took a walk. <laughs> so then we cut to outside. Linda is demonstrating some judo on Pete. And as far as I can tell, this is not uh, stunt work. They didn't get a stuntman. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Linda smashes Pete, absolutely slams him on the ground. It looked painful. It did. Yeah. I have to assume Tamsin West really did martial arts. She seems like she'd be cool like that. And that's why they had to replace Pete in the next <laughs> season, because his back was never the same after that fall. Because <laughs> he broke his back. Tamsin went to jail. That's why she was recast as well. <laughs> Tony and Bronson come by and Tony's like, I taught him everything I know. And then we see Linda go, uh-oh. <laughs> Bronson looks too happy here. He like looks too pleased. Yeah, well, then we see him and he's trying to drag this ladder that's so huge. <laughs> he's like having absolutely no luck picking up the ladder. Yeah. And then Linda comes and like picks it up and he doesn't even really seem to notice that she's helping him. <laughs> he's just like, he's like, oh, yeah, I got it now. Yeah. And Linda's like, what earth are you doing, mate? And he's like, blocking Nell's chimney. And she's like, uh, huh? Dad told me that the storks bring the babies. It's called bird control. Ah, I love it. And Linda's like, bird control. Like into the camera. Freeze frame. Have you ever? (laughs) It's my favorite freeze frame so far. I really like Linda's just rolling her eyes back. Absolutely. I can't believe Tony Twist just wouldn't tell Bronson where the babies come from. Come on, mate. Yeah, and you don't even have to be that specific. I mean, Linda did most of the work already. Yeah, exactly. So, Jeff, did this episode force you to have a difficult conversation with Camille? No, it did not. Actually, (laughs) she did not see this episode. Oh, Oh, she didn't. Why not? Was it going to be too embarrassing for you? Definitely not. I love the episode and I really want her to see it. And we just didn't find time this weekend. I thought you might have been worried that it would give her ideas about leaving babies to die. I can't wait until she sees this because it's just so weird. I want to see how she reacts to it. I want to know if the baby killing aspect is as outrageous to her as it is to me. (laughs) Yeah, you'll have to tell us next week. But it could be like Jeremy said, I think when you're young, you know, it doesn't affect you as much. You just kind of roll with whatever the TV show is doing. Oh, I have some things from the credits. Hit us. Bronson. He's like leaving to um, get the list off the fridge for who's doing the washing up and he tips over the chair (laughs) and they're all like trying not to laugh. (laughs) And um, you see Tony doing more welding, like you actually see more of whatever he was working on. The tree of life too, the tree of death. Yeah. And then the bit we didn't talk about, I noticed when there's a montage of him having to do stuff with the baby and he gets up in the middle of the night and Pete's feeding it and Bronson's taking over. But in the credits, Bronson's sitting there drinking the milk from the bottle and the baby's (laughs) crying. Oh, I totally missed that. That was a good one. Yeah, that's all I wrote down. All right, let's rate it. Let's do it up. All right. All right, Jeremy. Rate it. This episode, I feel like I like how much of the fam this episode has like just like the twists having shenanigans around the house around the lighthouse mm. and you got some good Nell moments but you also get some good just little bits of them being at school I feel like I'd give this an eight because it was very upsetting but also it was quite fun weirdly it's fun to see the family but it's also traumatic to see Bronson just murder his child yeah I also felt just in general that I didn't get as much enjoyment out of this one than I have previous ones for some reason it's funny and scary <laughs> scary in scary. the sense that you to kill a baby <laughs> yeah i might give it seven angry cabbage ladies out of 13 seven dead babs out of 13 
You guys are breaking my heart because I loved this episode. It is far and away my favorite so far. Whoa. So uh, from the very beginning with the very scary title card, even though the episode itself didn't really go to that level of horror, title card definitely gives you the idea that there's going to be a killer baby. (laughs) Turns out the real horror is Bronson potentially killing his child. The real horror is parenthood. But the joke's worked there's just all kinds of charming character moments and i loved the dark places it went to it's just very funny and odd and strange can't wait to watch it with my daughter i am actually going to give this 10 breast foods out of 13 wow that's a lot of breast foods guys yeah that is i'm full well i i get where you're coming from jeff uh, it is pretty enjoyable how weird it is. It's such an odd idea for an episode and the, they just really commit to it. But I feel like my issues with this episode come more down to just like the atmosphere of it. I know I mentioned like maybe a couple episodes ago how like surreal the music kind of makes the show feel at times. That would have been a uh, bird's do. I feel like for that episode... The surreal feeling of that episode still works for it. But in this episode, it's surreal in a way that I didn't really appreciate as much. It felt like it came down to really strange decisions when it came to like music and pacing and stuff like that. So I think I'm going to have to give this one a sit. Six beer sneezes out of 13. (laughs) (laughs) What a cooker. I think what it comes down to is none of you are parents and you can't relate to uh, this episode and how well it sums up the parental experience. I just want to kill my kids. (laughs) Look, Jeff, in high school, I had to have one of those robot babies for for like a week or something. So I sort of know. Robot babies? They just like randomly cry and you have to look. Oh, okay. It's just a doll with like a sound card. In it. Is that a thing in real life? I thought that was a TV thing. I didn't know schools did that. Oh, no, that's a real thing. Yeah, it was like home ec or something. Mine was called Sebastian something. Sebastian? How, I, I'm surprised you remember that. Sebastian the Crab. Get her out of here. I don't understand the reference. What movie is that from, Maz? It's from The Little Mermaid. I just wanted you to mention another animated film in this episode. (laughs) So next week we've got Spaghetti Pig Out. If you enjoyed that part where Pete has the spaghetti in his nose, you're going to love the next episode. (laughs) Can't wait. Now, we didn't do this last week and we don't have to if we don't want to. Anything you've watched or listened to lately that you're want to tell us about well this week i do have a recommendation yeah because i finally started listening to that fake doctors real friends podcast where uh, zach braff and donald Faison rewatch all the scrubs episodes it's pretty great it's pretty fun interesting it's pretty good so far i only listened to like a couple of episodes but seems fun nice i need to start listening to that one i've been really enjoying beach too sandy water too wet it's a brother and sister they each get some fun one-star reviews off various platforms and read them out to each other. And it's hilarious. That's a podcast, by the way. And um, it's just a nice thing to have on when you need to relax and have a laugh. Nice, nice. I recently watched the movie Crip Camp. What? Kind of an offensive title, but... Jeffrey. (laughs) It's this uh, camp in the 60s or 70s that had, you know, special needs and disabled people come. That's a a very good documentary, actually produced by the Obamas. Oh. And it's about this camp and these people that 
came and were treated like normal people and they have normal teenage experiences and bang each other. And it's, <laughs> it's just a lot of fun to watch. They bang things together. And also shows their advocacy afterwards about them getting uh, laws changed and stuff. Oh. Really good. Check it out. I'm not selling it very well. It's a fantastic documentary. Just give it a different name, maybe. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And uh, did Josh have anything? I've been rewatching Community, but I don't really feel like I need to plug that. <laughs> well, you should anyway. It's great. Oh, I just finished watching Band of Brothers, and that was good. I had never seen that before. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Band of Brothers. The Band of Brothers. 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 <laughs> brothers. <laughs> Edit that out. Uh, so if you would like to complain to us about Crip Camp, you can send us an email to untwistedpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and or Facebook at untwistedpod. You can watch Round the Twist for free on YouTube if you feel like you're not getting enough just from listening to us. You actually need to watch an episode. If you've got Amazon Prime because you like to spend money, watch on there. Or if you're like Jeremy and I, you can get your own DVDs and watch it there. Yeah, ABC Store. Except that there's no special features and no subtitles. <laughs> I do feel like the ideal way to enjoy this podcast is to watch on Amazon Prime with subtitles on. Mm-hmm. You can watch on YouTube with subtitles on. They're even worse. 3K Pie. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, please message us, email us. Please. Tell us your memories of the show. Tell us about your experiences, child rearing. Have you ever found a green baby? Have you ever? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see you next week for Spaghetti Pig Out, baby. Yeah. New episodes out every sometime, week or so. Yeah, Thursday or Friday when we feel like it. Every day from now on. One episode per day. See you next week. Okay. Bye. This is The Rising Damp signing off. Did Jeff die? Yeah, I think Jeff died. Note to self, script some kind of exiting line for next week. Because I got nothing. (laughs) So long, suckers. There'll be no accusations. Just friendly (laughs) (laughs) accusations under the sea.